Well, thank you, Jeannie, for that welcome. Uh, it is great to be here as an executive pastor. I don't get to preach that often, so now that I've made you a little nervous, um, I, I absolutely appreciate uh, the privilege to be here and give uh, Jay and Kathy some much-needed time off. So, um, Also, do want to say um, happy Memorial Day weekend, and I do want to acknowledge uh, not only the people who have served and, and uh, do serve now, but the people who have given their lives for this country, uh, and that's what we celebrate in Memorial Day. So happy Memorial Day weekend to everyone. Um, you know, I think that uh, most of us have a favorite verse or a passage of Scripture or maybe even a favorite chapter like I do, which is uh, 1 Corinthians 13, which... Is what I'm going to preach on today, but I think it's probably a little unusual uh, in terms of my story and how I came to really spend a good bit of time in that scripture at a pretty young age and how that came to be my favorite passage. So um, you've heard a little bit about my family uh, in the introduction, but I've also got two sisters. I've got an older sister, Cindy, who's a little over six years older than me, and I have an older sister, Janet, who's 13 months older than me. So as siblings uh, often do, particularly ones that are that close in age, from time to time, we would fuss, and we would fight, and we would feud, and there would come a point in time when my mother had had enough, and she would say, Janet, go to your room, Mike, go to your room. But then she would do one more thing uh, that was a little unusual. She would say, when you get to your room, grab your Bible, and I want you to read the 13th chapter of 1 Corinthians. And so then she would probably say something like, and I hope that you learn something about loving each other by reading that. And don't come out until I tell you to. So, uh, I think few of us have come to our favorite chapter in the Bible or passage by being punished with it, but uh, by the time I was probably a senior in high school, if you ask me uh, that question, that's what I would tell you, and I'm sure that had a great deal to do with it. So that's the why. That's the reason that it's my favorite chapter. What's the reason that I wanted to preach on that today? Well, it's because I think uh, Paul's words to the church in Corinth talk about the most important lesson that we can learn as Christians. So let's go to our scripture for today. But before we do that, let me give you just a little context um, and, 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 and tell you as we, as we start this chapter uh, what's happened before. The church in Corinth is very well known to Paul. He had spent about a year and a half there. Um, Corinth is a strategically located port city. It's located on this, uh, what we call a isthmus, and it's a little strip of land that connected the Greek mainland uh, with the uh, Peloponnesian Peninsula. So essentially that was a little shortcut. It made it a strategic port city. Um, it was a big economic center. It was a big religious center. There were lots of temples for the Greek and Roman gods, and so Paul came strategically to Corinth um, as a missionary, and he spent about a year and a half there and talking to people about Jesus, and ultimately a large number of people 
became followers of Jesus, so he formed a church there. You can read about that in Acts 18. It tells you about the church. So if you want to do some homework, you can go home and do that. But Paul moved on to other missionary journeys, and then he began to hear uh, about these problems with the church in Corinth. So this is why he wrote this letter, to address some of these problems. And in, in this section, uh, which is chapters 11 through 14, he's really addressing problems of worship. So you may not have thought about that before, but this, this chapter, which we call the love chapter, Paul's trying to address some problems in worship in that, in that section of 1 Corinthians. So um, let's, let's read this scripture. Um, you can follow along in your Bibles. I think it'll be on the screen as well. Starting in verse 1, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all my all mysteries and knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains but not love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and surrender my body to the flames but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It is not rude. It's not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, and always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part, but when perfection comes, the imperfect disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, I put childish ways behind me. Now we see, but a poor reflection is in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Let's pray together. Lord, give us hearts filled with humility and obedience that we may receive what you have revealed to us through your word and that we may act on what it teaches us to do. For it's in the name of Jesus Christ we pray. Amen. So we read in these first three verses about these gifts uh, that Paul's talking about, the gift of speaking in tongues and the gift of prophecy, the gift of knowledge. So many people in the church in Corinth were putting a very high value on these gifts. And not only that, they were being selfish. So think back to that, that context conversation. Paul was addressing problems in worship. So they wanted to express these gifts in the middle of worship and it was distracting. So uh, when Jeannie and I talked last week <clears throat> about you know, finalizing the details about coming here, she said, do you want me to send you uh, an order of worship? And I said, of course, I wanna know, you know where I appear in it, what we're doing. So, so that's what we have here. We have, we have an, order, uh, an order of worship, a specific 
uh, way of doing things. That's one of the way, reasons that we do that, right? I mean, we just don't want to come in and do our own thing. There was a time for me to come up here and speak, and I knew when it was. So thankfully, <clears throat> you know, you're not going to hear a sermon discouraging you from speaking in tongues or prophesying in the middle of the worship service because this chapter has many, many applications for us. So let's talk about those now. So we could have a big conversation about these gifts and probably a whole sermon on these gifts that Paul talks about, the gifts of, gifts of tongues, prophecy, uh, knowledge. He even talks about acts of charity and martyrdom. But at the end of the day, Paul's saying this, loving others is the most important thing that you can do as Christians. Of all these gifts that I've mentioned, Paul says, love is the greatest gift. So if we go back to chapter 12 in verse 31, and, and, and my Bible actually uh, starts this way with the second part of 12b, but if we go back, Paul says in chapter 12, verse 31, he says, now eagerly desire the greater gifts. And so when I look in my Bible, I've got the subheading love, and it says, and now I will show you the most excellent way. That's actually verse 12b from, from chapter 12. So he begins the chapter by saying that if you have the gift of speaking in tongues and you don't have love, then you're like a resounding uh, gong or a clanging cymbal. And those were uh, things that were done in pagan worship. So you don't want that, right? Um, and he says if you have any of these gifts, he talks about if you have the faith to move mountains and you don't have love. Worth nothing. So I think it's difficult for us to relate those gifts, um, having the gift of speaking in tongues or the gift of prophecy for us in today's world, but I want us to think about um, all those gifts that we might have that we use to serve the kingdom of God, right? I think it's pretty easy to think about, well, Love is greater than speaking in tongues, but, but think about those gifts we have. Think about our God-given talents. Maybe you're a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you have the gift of hospitality or the gift of leadership. We can think about our talents in secular terms, right? We all have gifts and talents, but the gift of love is greater than all of these, not just tongues and prophecy and knowledge. So what are the attributes of love, those characteristics that are found uh, in verses 4 through 7 that Paul talks about? These verses for me are the most powerful part of the chapter. This is the how-to book, the instruction manual that Paul provides, gives us on how to love. So let me read those verses again. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. So Paul talks about what love is, and he talks about what love is not. And there are 15, 15 
different attributes or characteristics or, or how-tos or how-not-tos or really actions that he talks about here. And seven are what love is and eight are what love is not. Maybe one of those eight could be, could be either or. But he talks about what love is, what love is not. And, and, and you could take these four verses and do a sermon series with one of these each Sunday and have a 15-week sermon series. So maybe that's an idea for, for Jay. Maybe he's done that. I don't know. But we've all heard about different types of love uh, as defined by the ancient Greeks and that they had different and distinct words for each kind of love, right? Uh, eros is romantic love and philia is that love of friendship, uh, brotherly love. That's where the name of the city Philadelphia comes from, the city of brotherly love. Storge, that instinctual love between a parent and a child, and agape, and we think of this as God's love. And that's the word that Paul uses in the original Greek over and over again in this chapter, agape. And there's more. Aristotle defined uh, three different types of philia, or friendship kind of love. We need to understand that the kind of love that Paul talks about in these verses is an action. It's not a feeling. It's an action. So let's talk about this list we find in verses 4 through 7. The first thing that's mentioned, the first attribute, the first action um, is patience. And if we want to make a connection to last Sunday and Pentecost, well, in order to be patient, we're going to need the Holy Spirit, right? We are going to need the help of the Holy Spirit. And really, we're going to need the help of the Holy Spirit in all these. But uh, many of us have children. If you have children, say amen. Children will test our patience, right? They'll test our patience. All my children are grown. My youngest is uh, 23. He's finishing up nursing school. Um, and he just moved back in the house to save a little money before he gets ready to go back out. I, yesterday he did test my patience, okay? But now we have a dog. Now we have a dog that tests our patience, that helps us build that quality. Um, so uh, we live on a trail, and in the back corner of the house we have a, 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 a sunroom that's all glass, and she can see that trail and the people walking. We have a front door that's, that's all glass. That was a really bad decision. So she can see them this way, run all the way to the front of the house, and watch them in the front door and bark the entire time as she protects our house. So, you know, kids may test our patience. Our dogs may test our patience. We have many opportunities to have our, our patience tested, right? My wife, uh, Tammy, gets Rick Warren's devotional daily, and and when she sees something that she really likes, she sends it to me. So uh, this week she sent me a devotional on patience. And I love what it said. The scripture is uh, Proverbs 19.11, and that says, A person's wisdom yields patience. It is to one's glory to overlook an offense. That's patience, right? But this is what Rick Warren said about having patience with people uh, and their behavior. Sometimes we have to look past someone's behavior to their pain. Sometimes we have to look past someone's behavior 
to their pain. We, you never know what someone's going through. I think we always need to remember that. Um, that's what patience is about. This is wisdom, and wisdom yields patience. Now, on to the rest of the list. What else is love in addition to being patient? Well, it's kind. It rejoices in the truth. It always protects. It always trusts. It always hopes, and it always perseveres. And what is not love? It doesn't envy. It doesn't boast. It's right. It's not arrogant. Does not exhibit pride. It doesn't dishonor others. It's not disrespectful. It's not self seeking or selfish. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. It's forgiving. That's the one that it keeps no record of wrongs. It's forgiving. That, that, that could be an is or an is not. And finally, love does not delight in evil. And, you know, I think most people don't delight in evil, but sometimes we do take a little pleasure in other people's pain, don't we? Um, maybe a little bit more than we should, and, and we do that for a variety of reasons, and those reasons may relate back to one of these things that we're talking about, one of these things on the list that's a problem for us. And I think if we look down that list of 15 attributes or characteristics or actions, really, we all might find uh, one or two or five or 14 that are a particular struggle for us, right? So Paul did not make it easy for us. Paul didn't make it easy for us at all. That's a long list. That's a hard list. That's a difficult list. It is for me. I'm sure it is for you too. You know, even though we hear these verses <clears throat> at weddings quite often, Paul's not addressing romantic love here, but does it apply? Of course it does. Of course it does. We can apply it to any area of our lives. But yeah, we can apply it to that romantic love. We can apply it at a wedding. It's perfectly ap applicable. My daughter got engaged this past Easter, and she's getting married in February. And certainly, certainly, I'm going to say, you know, I want you to love like this. This is the this is the best way that you could possibly love. I'm going to encourage him in that. And my wife is going to have a field day. She's going to come to the 11 o'clock service with my younger son. So she didn't want to sit through, through two. I don't know why, but she didn't. Um, and she, I guess she wanted to sleep a little bit later. But she's going to have a field day when I get home, right? I'm going to get a report card of how I'm doing. Hey, Mike, I heard all that stuff. Let me tell you what you need to work on. But she should. But this is how I should be loving her, right? So every time I've said the word love, it's defined by these 15 characteristics, these 15 attributes, uh, these descriptions. No, those aren't really the right words, these 15 actions. So every time you think about love, I wanna encourage you to think of love in this way. When you think about your wife or husband, when you think about your kids, your parents, your family, your siblings, your business associates, your customers, the people that you don't know that you come in contact with every day, the person at the drive-thru, you know, the person at the grocery store, on social media. Yes, you're coming in contact with people on social media. Everywhere you go, everywhere you interact with people, 
Think about these descriptions of love. Act in these ways. So what can this love, what can it do? What can this kind of love do? This kind of love can build. This kind of love can bridge. And this kind of love can bind. This kind of love can build and rebuild relationships. Not only can it build relationships, it rebuilds relationships. This kind of love can bridge a divide. It can bridge a cultural divide. It can bridge a divide created by race, by politics, by money. Whatever divides us, this kind of love can bridge it. This kind of love binds relationships together. It cements them. This kind of love binds relationships together in such a way that they cannot be broken. And when Jesus gave us that greatest commandment, he said, love the Lord with all your heart, with all your mind, and with all your soul. And then he said, love your neighbor like yourself. That was the kind of love he was talking about. And in Luke, he goes on to give this illustration of the Good Samaritan. And he said, this is what loving your neighbor looks like. It's this kind of love. This kind of love will deny oneself to look out what's best for what's best for others, right? This kind of love is a gift that you give away. Some of these talents and gifts we've talked about don't require a change of heart, but this kind of love requires a change of heart. It requires the Holy Spirit to be working in us. You know, love is at the very core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's what he did for us. It's what we should do for others. In this letter, Paul's trying to get the church at Corinth to see everything through the lens of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that message is still absolutely relevant for us today, just like it was then, just like it was for this church. Even though he's talking about tongues and prophecy and those kind of gifts, and he's dealing with, with problems in worship, he could be talking to us today, and it's still going to be relevant for us today. So verse 13 says, And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. So Paul comes back to this triad of faith and hope and love over and over again in his letters. And he talks about your work produced by faith, your labor prompted by love, and your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ in 1 Thessalonians 1.3. And then he references that triad, faith, hope, and love, again in 1 Thessalonians 5.8 and again in Colossians 1.4 and 5. And I love that triad. But remember, the greatest of these is love. So we talked about the gifts or talents described in the first few verses versus the gifts we value in today's world and um, Paul emphasizes the imperishability of love in contrast to the limitations of these gifts prophecy speaking in tongues and knowledge he emphasizes the imperishability of love versus the limitations of those other gifts so today we'd We'd emphasize the imperishability of love in contrast to <clears throat> the limitations of what we value, right? What do we value? Likes, retweets, 
views, followers. We value money, material possessions. We value knowledge and success, however the world might define that. And when we value these gifts over love, we distort and misuse that gift. For instance, the gifted communicator without love becomes the manipulator. You can be a gifted communicator and without love you can become a manipulator. So I hope I've convinced you that love is the greatest gift. So how do we apply this lesson that Paul is teaching this church in Corinth and how do we make it relative in our lives? Well, as I've said before, we can apply it to every area of our life, right? Remember when I said it's the most important thing we can do as Christians. Loving like this, this kind of love, it's the most important thing we can do as Christians. But I've got some homework for you, okay? Beyond the going back and reading Acts 18 to find out more about the church in Corinth. Did y'all forget about that? I signed that early in the in the sermon. But I want you to do three things this week, okay? Three things. This is your homework. The first thing I want you to do is make a list of these 15 attributes, these characteristics, these actions that define love, and I want you to keep it close by you. So go back to verses 4 through 7. Write those down. And, and, and I want you to write it down in a way that makes sense to you. For example, love is not easily angered. You might write down, don't get mad, chill out, simmer down. You know, you get the picture. Write it down in a way that, that means something to you that you can look at it and go, this is how I'm gonna love this week. So remember there are seven love is and there are eight love is not. Maybe one of those eight can be either. The next thing I want you to do is I want you to pick a relationship and focus on applying that list of 15 actions, attributes, descriptions of love to that relationship. It could be any relationship. But I, I might encourage you to pick a relationship that you struggle with some of these things with, that you feel like that Focusing on that relationship with this kind of love can, can really maybe impact that in a positive way. You don't have to tell them you're doing it. Just do it and see what happens. The third thing, a social media exercise. How many of you are on social media? Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it may be. And remember, on social media, everybody's building a brand whether it's intentional or not. So pictures and posts of events in your family's life that tell your friends what's going on, those are, those are great, those are okay. Maybe you don't wanna, maybe, maybe you dial back bragging a little bit, but all those things are great. People wanna know the good stuff that's going on in your life, and, and they also wanna know the struggles you have, so those are good too. But everything else, Everything else you post, it has to make somebody smile. It's got to make anybody smile, anybody that may look at it. 
And when you do that, think about building, bridging a divide, binding a relationship. Be intentional. So there's one big difference in the gifts that the folks in the church in Corinth were overvaluing and the gift of love. And, and those gifts that we might think of today that we overvalue, there's one big difference between those gifts and the gift of love. You can give the gift of love away. You can give the gift of love away. So let's go give someone that gift this week. And by doing that, you're going to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is the core of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's give that gift away this week. Let's pray. Gracious and loving God, we thank you for the greatest gift, the gift of love, the gift of love that you gave us, that you gave through your son, Jesus Christ, that sacrificial gift. Lord, help us to think about this kind of love, this kind of love that Paul describes to the church in Corinth that so many people have looked at and treasured but that it's so easy to forget about. It's such a long list, Lord. There are 15 things that you tell us that we need to do and that we don't need to do to show this kind of love. But we know through the power of the Holy Spirit we can be transformed and through the power of that kind of love we can transform the lives of other people around us. So help us to do that this week and beyond, Lord. For it's in the precious and holy name of Christ, I pray. Amen.